Nehemiah chapter 3. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasanah, they, set, they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimot, son of Uriah, son of Hakos, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Benah, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jeshanah gate was repaired by Yoyada, son of Pasea, and Meshulam, son of Besodia. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mitzvah, Milatia of Gibeon and Yadon of Meronot, places under the authority the gover governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uzel, son of Herhiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hanakiah, one of the perfume makers, Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephiah, son of Hur, ruler of a half-district half of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining Jediah, son of Harumoth, made repairs opposite his house, and Atush, son of Hashabniah, made repairs next to him. Malkiah, son of Harim, and Hashub, son of Pahat Moab, repaired another section and the Tower of the Ovens. Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. The valley gate was repaired by Hanun and the residents of Zanoah. They rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. They also repaired 500 yards of the wall as far as the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Malkiah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarem. He rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalun, son of Kol Jose, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the walls of, of the pool of Siloam by the king's garden as far as the steps going down from the city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Ozbuk, ruler of of a half district of Beth Zur made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Uh, next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites under Reham, son of Benai. Beside him, uh, Hashabiah, ruler of the half district of Kilah, carried out repairs for his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their countrymen under Benuai, son of Henadad, ruler of the other half-district of Kilah. Next to him, 
Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section from a point facing the ascent to the armory as far as the angle. Next to him, Baruch, son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Next to him, Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired another section from the entrance of Eliashib's house to the end of it. The repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashub made repairs in front of their house. And next to them, Azariah, son of Masiah, and the son of Anakiah, made repairs in his house. Next to him, Baniu, son of Hinadad, repaired another section from Azariah's house to the angle of the corner. And Palel, son of Uzai, worked opposite of the angle and the towering project upper palace near the court of the guard. Next to him, Pedadiah, son of Perush, and the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate toward the east and the projecting tower. Next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Above the Horus gate, the priest made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Emir, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemiah, son of Shechani, Shechaniah, the guard of the east gate, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah. Hanum, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. Next to them, Meshalum, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. Next to him, Malkiah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants, opposite the inspection gate, and as far as the room above the corner and between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. Ladies, for that marvelous job. <laughs> By the way, out of curiosity, how many have participated in a study or have heard a sermon on Nehemiah chapter 3? Well, brave souls. Um, by the way, this is a first for me, and uh, to go through the entire chapter... And there were a couple of reasons why I felt led to do that. One is that uh, you learn how to pronounce the Hebrew name and not butcher them. <laughs> Seriously. Um, the Word of God is alive and actively powerful and sharper than two-edged sword. And that includes all the long lists. Because Paul tells us that every scripture is inspired for... Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So that includes also the, these lists. Um, and the lists, as you learn to read and, and meditate over them, uh, by the way, this time it, it was with help from my better half, um, you learn to notice certain things. 
And there are a number of things that drew my attention and uh, spoke to me loud and clear. And I want to share that with you this morning. So let's take a moment to pray. Avinu Malkeinu, we thank you for all these wonderful lessons of faith that you give us in your word and how you challenge us and how you provoke us to good works. Lord God, as we read and consider the implications of your word and uh, Lord God, we pray for each one of us Thank you, Lord, that you know where we are and how we fit in this particular section. And we pray, Lord God, for ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us, to all of us. And a discerning heart and the openness, Lord God, to be willing and eager to take what you share with us and uh, apply it to our lives, that we may grow and mature and become strong men and women of God, your servants, Lord God, in this day and age. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. This um, past week, I was utterly blessed. Uh, You all blessed my socks off. You ask how? I'll tell you. (laughs) You know how often people have a consumer mindset. And that is that I come here, um, I give my tithes, if you do, or offerings, if you do, and I expect you, the professional, to go and do the work of the ministry. My response to that is simply to say, wrong! Not because I am a slacker and not eager to do the work of the kingdom. I am. You know, I, the Lord has called me and I stand before you, but first of all, before Him. And that scares the bejabbers out of me because I want to make sure that I am faithful to the call that He's given me. But that's really not the point, folks. The Word of God says in Ephesians 4... Then he gave some to be apostles, prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for the work of service so that the body of Messiah may be built up. What does that say? It doesn't say that those of us who have titles and have gone to seminary, etc., are the ones who are supposed to do the work of the ministry. You all are supposed to do the work of the ministry, and our job is to be equippers, and coaches and cheerleaders and, and fellow players uh, participating in doing the work of the kingdom of God. And the folks, reality is that the kingdom of God goes through you to places where it doesn't go through us. And that's how the kingdom of God expands, folks. And uh, what this is leading up to is the fact that... Um, One of our sisters has been diagnosed with lupus. It's a nasty disease. I know that because I worked in my long distant uh, past in my youth 
in the lupus lab. Journey has been in the hospital. And uh, what blessed me was the fact that a group of our gals went to see her last Shabbat. Uh, one couple went to see her during the week. And then uh, Michael and Stephanie, I'm picking on you, Michael. And uh, their kids um, went, to s- went to see Journey. And uh, they all prayed and sang with her and encouraged her. And when I talked to her, she was reasonably in good spirits after all that she had done. And that, folks, didn't come because I stood there week after week pointing bony fingers at anybody. Uh, I've tried a version of that, and I can tell you, folks, it does not work. And uh, very quickly, I made a determination not to engage in guilt and manipulation. It's the job of the Spirit of God, folks. And so last Shabbat, there was every instinct to me that wanted to have people stand up and r- raise their hands and, and uh, make declarations saying, Arise, let us build. And um, I didn't do that. Because I felt that as was the case in Nehemiah, it was the Spirit of God that had to do that work. And either you're motivated by the Spirit of God, the Ruach HaKodesh, to engage in the work of His kingdom, or you're not. And I could stand here and blab all day long, and you would be absolutely unmoved. And so to me, what I saw this week with Journey was another example of what God is doing here at Yeshua Tzion. You know, the fact that a whole bunch of us went on an outreach to 16th Street Street Mall was to me another clear indication that God is at work, stirring people, and um, that the Spirit of God is motivating people to engage in doing the work of the kingdom. And yes, we've talked about it. And more importantly, folks, we have prayed. We have prayed and we have prayed and we have prayed some more that that the Holy Spirit would stir us and give us a united vision and united purpose and a common heart and common mind, folks. Not so that our kingdom would be expanded, but so that the kingdom of God in us, God's house in us, would expand beyond us and make an impact to those around us, particularly in our case to those that he has called us and given us a special heart, and that is the Jewish community. So I'm beginning to see shoots coming up through the concrete. Maybe that's a little severe but i'm begin my point simply is to say that i'm beginning to see the lord stir us to say it's not about me it's not about my life it's not about my relationship it's not about my work it's not about my health but it is about the kingdom of god and i want to be busy doing the father's business you say amen to that and that's what we're seeing with nehemiah Remember that these folks 
we're demoralized. Been there, done that. I think we all can say that one time or another. You know, life comes and squashes you. And our faith is not robust, but it's sort of like a flat pancake. And um, that's what happened with them. Remember that 10 or 15 years ago, the people of Jerusalem, the people of Judea, endeavored to get up and build the walls around Jerusalem. But their enemies got busy and uh, sent letters to King Artaxerxes and said, King, you should live so long, you can't let that happen because they'll rip you off and you won't get your taxes, bottom line. The king said, oh, yeah, you're right, of course. And gave an order and put the kibosh on the rebuilding project. So we'll be seeing, to some extent, we'll be seeing a building project. But folks, what we have to understand is that the building project would not have taken place unless there were serious spiritual dynamics. Remember that Nehemiah prayed for a period of about four months? And oh, by the way, the, the rebuilding of the wall took about four months. Did you find that ironic? And as was true for the people, was true for Nehemiah. They've heard the same facts over and over again. And their attitude was, well, whatever. And this time, God gave them a prod, and they decided to get up and, and build. God moved in their hearts, and that's something only the Lord can do. So, I want to begin again looking at the map of Jerusalem, because we'll be talking about it, and uh, my grandson was gracious enough to give me another marker. <laughs> yes, I'll push the podium away. And uh, I, I won't be doing this every Shabbat, folks, in case you wonder. Uh, and if I can have the lights, one, one set, that should be fine, Linda. Uh, no, both of them. All right, um, I'm doing this, folks, not because I love to talk about geography, but because we often look at Scripture and we really don't have a good handle on what is taking place because we really can't visualize what is happening. We, we really can't imagine. Uh, and this little piece of real estate is the place where much of the action in scripture takes place. Now, this is one, um, one expert's opinion, and I've seen others, so take it with a grain of salt, but most of the details are, are here. And what we need to remember is that going all the way back to Abram, Mount Moriah, where, where he was about to sacrifice Isaac, which, by the way, was right around here, uh, this is the temple area, to David's time when he came and he danced before the Lord, remember? 
uh, to Solomon when he built a temple, um, then to all the very difficult periods of time when the Babylonians came from the north and the east uh, and they attacked Jerusalem. And by the way, that is why the wall was worse right at this point because this was the, the place of greater attack, uh, the, the, the uh, place of approach, rather. And uh, then, of course, in, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, we know that Yeshua and his disciples came here quite often for all the holidays. And so here, again, is, is um, the Mount of Olives. This is from the east. And here there was this steep valley called the Kidron Valley. And here is the Valley of Hinnom, which is where they burned trash. And so just to give you a quick overview, and by the way, this is an estimate because not all of this has been uncovered by archaeologists. Some of it has, uh, some of it has not. Um, but Nehemiah begins here at, at the Sheep Gate this time, not the Valley Gate. Uh, and he is giving a description of how the work took place. Uh, there were ten gates, and a lot of attention is given to the gates because this is the point of entry uh, for the enemies. So they, they had to be rebuilt, and the gates were largely made of wood uh, and some metal. And uh, there were 10 